Well, please turn in your Bibles, if you can, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians and chapter 3. And we come back to the prayer of Paul's that we were looking at this morning. Going to read it again this evening, just to remind ourselves of the text. This is the bit that is infallible. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. Let us hear God's word. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, this evening we are returning to this prayer of the Apostle Paul's as recorded here in chapter 3 of Ephesians. This, of course, is Paul's second prayer that he mentions in this letter of his to the church at Ephesus, his first prayer we looked at back in chapter 1 and verse 15 onwards. But we're looking at this particular prayer to see how it is and what is it that we could pray for as we pray for one another. If we were to pray such an apostolic prayer, what specific things ought we to ask for? <coughs> what can we pray for as we think of one another, as we sit in the quietness of our home maybe, or as we come on a Tuesday night and we say, well, who shall we pray for? Uh, what could we ask for? Rather than, and I don't mean to you know, knock this, but simply, Lord, please bless so-and-so. Because we're, we're a bit vague on what it is exactly we want God to do. And so we have a general, please bless so-and-so. There's nothing wrong with that. But as we can see here from what Paul prays for, there is specifics we could ask for as to how God would bless so-and-so. This morning, uh, we looked at how Paul prayed for power. Holy Spirit power, power right at the very center, right at the very core of the person. God's power strengthening that person, enabling the person to, to persevere in them through the various different trials they face. And clearly there are friends we know of, we've already prayed for Shahab, for example, tonight, who need such prayers Prayers for God's strength at this time in their life. God's strength in the situations they're facing at this time. Paul also prayed that through the Holy Spirit, uh, Christ would del, uh, dwell in the hearts of their hearts through faith. As I said, not that Jesus wasn't already there. Remember, these are born-again believers but that through the Holy Spirit present in their hearts, through him present 
ministering in their hearts, Christ's presence would be more realized, more experienced in their lives. That from within a a communion with Christ, uh, an intimate fellowship with Christ would become an ever-increasing experience as we grow older as believers. There is always so much more of Jesus to realize. We have said this before. We, we enter into marriage with a partner. We, we discover more and more as we grow older with them. And while wow, there is always more of Christ to realize. This is what the Lord Jesus always wants of his people. For us to walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1 verse 7. For us to abide in him the vine and in his love. John 15. And as we do that then we experience uh, an intimate, a personal fellowship with him as his presence in us affects us more and more. As we read this morning from 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul writes, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, in our inner being, we are being renewed day by day. So just in these opening verses of Paul's prayer, we have this access to the Father to whom we pray. We have the Holy Spirit who will strengthen the believer and we have the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, who will dwell and abide in the person we're praying for. This is a Trinitarian apostolic prayer. Do you see that? We're, we're invoking each person of the Godhead as we pray for our brothers and sisters, and for ourselves, of course, as well. But we're continuing on in this apostolic prayer this evening. And the second aspect which Paul is praying for is stability. Four S's, just to help remember. Strength and now stability. Verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love. The NIV puts it, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And I think this, this stability comes again from the strengthening that the Holy Spirit brings into someone's inner being. That as well as making Christ's presence more vivid to us, more experiential to us, that same person then becomes more stable in their Christian life. In, in a sense, it's really a, a bit of a mixed metaphor, this, as Paul puts it, rooted and grounded. These are two different words he uses from two different domains. One is a sort of agricultural word, uh, the rooting, and the other is more of an architectural word, the grounding, or as the NIV puts it, established. But these two words are meant to emphasize depth for us, and therefore stability for us. In other words, rather than being something shallow and superficial, rather than having doubt 
and insecurity, both of these words, rooted and grounded, convey to us a stability concerning the love of God. And friends, I really want to impress upon you the importance of us having a stability concerning the love of God. Don't we at times ourselves doubt the love of others for us? We question, does she really love me? Does he love me still? We think that in our own earthly relationships, how much more than a God we cannot see might we doubt his love for us? Well, think about those words for a moment then. Rooted and grounded. Rooted gives us a, a picture of a tree with roots. A tree that has roots that go down very deep into the soil. And maybe we haven't had much wind re recently. It's more cold weather, more than wind. But earlier we saw, didn't we, that wind come in and when the wind blows, especially if the tree's in full leaf too, and you think, yes, that that tree's going to go down <laughs> the way it bends. For sure it goes down. No, but it doesn't go down. Why does it not go down? Well, because of its roots. Its roots are so well rooted. It withstands the, the force of the wind against it. And friends, brothers and sisters, as we face the, the various trials and the various difficulties of life that could, in a sense, blow us over, Paul's prayer is that we would be rooted. Our roots would go down very deep into the love of God. We would be certain of the love of God for us. Think of that word grounded or, or established. And again, think of, say, a building with good foundations. We don't get much earthquakes in Biker. I think the last earthquake I felt was in Otley at about two o'clock in the morning. It lasted for about a second. That's the only earthquake I've ever experienced in England. But think of an earthquake happening. Imagine it. Think of the many buildings that would be destroyed because of their poor foundations. It holds them up as the ground shakes underneath them. Well, these are pictures here that Paul gives us to remind us of the prayer needed that we would find a, 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 a standing, an establishment, a rooting in the love of God. Friends, the soil in which we need such a deep rooting, on which we need a sure grounding is this love of God. For when we're deeply rooted, when we are well grounded, we can weather whatever life comes up with. Then we know he, he still loves me. He still loves me. I'm hurting, Lord but you still love me. Isn't those the times when the devil would come and say, where's your God then? 
Where is the father who loves you then? When look at what's happening in your life. We need to be grounded. I can think of one or two people in our congregation, not in the hall tonight because they're unwell, you see, but they would have every reason to think, does God still love me? And this is the prayer we can pray for them, that their roots would go down into that love of God and from that love feed on it. You think of the roots taking the nourishment up into the tree. and The love of God feeds our soul and strengthens our soul and, and helps us to, to persevere knowing He loves me and He shall never stop loving me. God has covenanted to love me for all eternity. Why, why should I doubt His love now when He has sent His Son for me, when He has given up His greatest possession for me, His own beloved Son? Why should I doubt my Father? We need that prayer for one another. The next thing that Paul prays for, strength, stability, is, is sense sense, I'm forcing that in because of the S, <laughs> verse 18, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend or to sense with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I've been reading from the ESV here, which is an essentially literal translation it's interesting that when Paul talks of breadth and length and height and depth, he, he doesn't actually give us, give us what it is he's measuring. There is no explicit object attached to the breadth and length and height and depth for us to comprehend. What does he mean? The breadth of what, Paul? The length of what? The depth of what? The width of what? What are you talking about, Paul? Is he talking about the power of God or the love of God? Is he still on about the manifold wisdom of God he referred to earlier on? Is he talking about the mystery of God? Is he talking about the great cosmos of God, the vastness of his creation? These are various suggestions that commentators have, have made. Going, though, with the context of the prayer the immediate, slightly wider context, it's probably the love of Christ, as the NIV assumes and translates it as, that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul's prayer here is that together with all the saints, there's a, a corporate sense here, a, a corporate comprehension here, that we all would comprehend and know and sense more and more of the measure of Christ's love for us, which in actual fact will always be beyond us. 
It's never enough. You, you'll never reach the end point of it and say, well, I get it now. You can get it now in that sense. You know enough of it now to embrace it and believe it and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, to believe that he loves you and died for you. You can believe enough of it, but to, to know all of it is, is, is always beyond us. It surpasses knowledge. And note here that whatever the measure is of this immeasurable love, we we can't comprehend any of it in our own strength. That's why Paul is praying this, you see. We could read every theological work there is. You know, just thinking about this today, I have so many books, so many books I'll never read. Good books, too. You could read every Puritan paperback. Brilliant books. You could read Richard Sibbs on the love of Christ. I have it. I've never read it. I've tried. It's so... <clears throat> but you could read it. You could. You could read it several times. And I encourage us, friends, to read books. Please read books. There are, we are in trouble as an English-speaking people when there are so many wonderful books in English to help us grow in our comprehension of the love of Christ. So many wonderful books. We, we need to read these things. And yet, friends, we could read them, as it were, till the cows come home, as they say, and still have no personal knowledge of, no personal knowledge of. We could teach it to others. We could explain it to others. We could use pictures and metaphors and sorts of things to help explain it to others and yet not actually know it ourselves. Rather, we need to be given the spiritual strength, the, the power to comprehend the measure of Christ's love. God, by his Spirit, needs to minister this glorious truth so we can know it not merely intellectually but personally, relationally, experientially. You know what I mean. That's why we must pray for it. That's why we must ask God to do this to allow us this immense insight, this profound privilege to know this vast love that Jesus has for us, to go beyond the, the nice sentences which a preacher may often bring in because his understanding of it has reached a certain length in his ministry. And it's almost, when you use a computer to do your notes, it's almost like copy and paste. <laughs> copy and paste, the same descriptive you used last month to describe this love of Christ because my limit is that much. If, if only it could be that much more. We need to pray for this. We need to read about it, yes, 
We need to spend time with God in his love letter to us. This is what his book is. This is his love letter. We need to read it and think about it and, and memorize it and all of that. But, but we must pray, pray over it, that, that he, he would show us more of his love for us in that, that personal way. To know he loves me. <laughs> and maybe you can't explain it to anybody else in another new way, but you know more and more he loves me. To know the love of Christ. That's what we can pray for each other. And note too the way Paul gives it dimensions, this love, the breadth, the length, the height and depth. John Stott comments, he says, it seems to me legitimate to say that the love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind, long enough to last for eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt him to heaven. Of course, we see that love, the clearest, the most focused, the most concentrated at Calvary. God shows his love in this way that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But this is the love of Christ, you see. Christ's love for us. When Christ agreed to the plan of God, Christ willingly took upon himself all our sin and our guilt. When he so loved us, when he thought of you, and he thought, and he thought I love so-and-so so much, I am going to, to give myself over to be ill-treated by these people that through it the wrath of God would be poured out upon me and I myself would become a sacrifice for their sin. That's how much I love them. And there I am, kneeled to a cross, and people are, are, are goading me and mocking me and wanting me to, to prove to them that I am the Messiah by coming down on the cross. But I love so-and-so so much, I'm going to stay here for them. I'm going to remain here in this state of immeasurable suffering because I love them because I knew them from before eternity, because they were given to me as my own, my bride for whom I am suffering and dying, because I love them. Isn't this such deep, deep love of Jesus? Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. This love, as Paul puts it, Galatians 2.20, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This love of Jesus which his people, the people he redeemed, the people who know he loved me and gave his life for me, they will spend eternity
realizing the length and the breadth and the depth of his love for us because it will never ever come to an end. Well, the fourth, the final aspect of Paul's prayer, strength, stability, sense, is pretty much the climax of the prayer, and that is saturation, another S. Now, you see the end of verse 19, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. How we would be filled, again, is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, to what measure we are to be filled, it's to the fullness of God himself. So the question is, well, what does that mean? to be filled with or to the measure of all the fullness of God. What is Paul talking about there? It's very similar to what Paul will go on to talk about in chapter 4. We'll get there a couple of years' time maybe. I don't know. He talks about God giving various people to the church. Look at verse 12 of chapter 4. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a sense of increase there. What Paul is praying here for is essentially Christian maturity that we would grow up, God's children would, would grow up into the, the fullness of God. And we, we see that fullness of God manifest in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. Paul is saying that as we are strengthened inwardly by God's spirit, as, as Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, and as we grasp more and more of the, the immeasurable love of Christ, so we would become all that God wants us to be. We would become spiritually mature, reflecting God's own glory, the glory of God we see the clearest in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. He's talking about us being perfect as He is perfect about us being holy as He is holy. Think of what Paul writes in Colossians 1, verse 19 of the Lord Jesus. He says, In Him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That phrase again here in Ephesians 3, Paul is praying for that fullness of God which we, we find in Christ. And as we read the Gospels, as we read the Epistles, we, we, we see in the life of Christ. We see it, we read of it. Paul's prayers, that, that would be seen in us consistently, continually. So that, that there is clearly a, a climax here in Paul's prayer. I think he's even looking at our future perfection in heaven as we stand all with all the saints glorified and finally free of our old body of sin, at last filled up to the fullness of 
God. And yet, look at what Paul's doing. He's praying for this for the now. We know this will happen to us one day when we stand before God and Christ presents us to the Father spotless and with great joy. We know this is going to happen one day, but Paul is praying this for now, for the fullness of God's character to be seen in our lives now, today, and increasingly so. Apparently, this is what Robert Murray McShane often prayed, Lord, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. Make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. In other words, as much as it is possible to be in this life, but make me holy as you yourself, Lord, are holy. Because that's what God wants of all his people. He wants all of us to be moving forward, to be growing daily towards that, that final fullness. He wants us to be slowly, and yes, for sure, let me repeat that, he wants us to be slowly but surely moving forward, pressing onwards towards the goal of that final fullness, but day by day being transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit ministering within us and through us, making us more and more like, like Jesus. Friends, this then is what we can pray for, this apostolic prayer. Pray for one another, detailed specifics as the apostle himself prayed, for God's Holy Spirit to strengthen us and to enable us, for us to experience the presence of Christ in our lives, to pray for stability, that all of us would be well-rooted and grounded in the love of God, and for us all to sense, to comprehend more and more of the the vastness, the depth of the love of Christ for us. And for us to be saturated, to be filled with the fullness of God towards Christian maturity. And all of this, fundamentally, all of it through the ministry, the work of God's Spirit within us. May God help us remember these things and when we come to pray, may he remind us of them for us to incorporate them in what we pray.